And so I think that's where, as a marketer, um, we need to think a lot more about how are we communicating and engaging with our audiences, not just to, to, to educate them on uh, the features and capabilities, but how do we build a more personal relationship with them without actually talking face-to-face? And I think uh, the kind of content, the kind of communications, the kind of nurture programs uh, that we put together are a big, big part of that. So I think that's, that's one of the big things on my mind today. Buyer behavior isn't the same, and the old sales funnel is no longer relevant. So Square2 Marketing is smashing the funnel and encouraging businesses to think differently about their approach to marketing, sales, customer service, and revenue generation. Join us for season one of Smash the Funnel, the podcast. With our amazing lineup of industry experts, we'll introduce you to the new cyclonic buyer journey, and we'll provide insights and tips on how to optimize your business's approach to sales and marketing. And now for your host, Mike Lieberman, CEO and Chief Revenue Scientist at Square2 Marketing. Hey, I'm Mike Lieberman, CEO and Chief Revenue Scientist at Square2 Marketing. Welcome to Smash the Funnel, the podcast. This is episode six. And today we're going to be talking about evaluation, how to stand out from your competitors during this important stage. And I'm thrilled to have as my guest on episode six, Tyler Lassard from uh, Vineyard, and we're going to get into it with Tyler a little bit. Let me just remind everybody that in episode five, we talked to Sonia Jacob from Drift, and she gave us some incredible nuggets on how to be proactive and move prospects from consideration to evaluation with some really clever techniques. So today we're going to kind of continue that cyclonic buyer journey conversation with Tyler. So Tyler, welcome to the show. I love it. Thanks, Mike. I am so happy to be here. And uh, I love this framework of the cyclonic marketing funnel. I think you guys have done a, a great thing here. And I couldn't agree more with what you guys are publishing. So real honor to be here. Great. Thanks so much. So what we're going to try to talk to you today about what I'm hoping you can share with our listeners is how can we use video to stand out? We're going to be talking about a stage in the buyer journey where people have more or less decided in our case, maybe that, okay, I'm going to hire an agency and I've now narrowed it down to three agencies, and now I got to decide between my three agencies. Or in your case, it could be, look, I'm going to buy a video product, and I've narrowed it down to three of my options here. How do I decide which one is right for me? And hopefully you can give us some uh, techniques and some suggestions and some ideas about how we can stand out in that really important evaluation stage. So what I, what I like to do with my guests is just kind of get you to share with our listeners a little bit about yourself. So can you give us a little bit about your background, how you ended up with Vineyard, and, and help our listeners understand what, where you're coming from and, and what your background is? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm actually a recovering engineer, uh, to be honest. So I uh, was a computer science engineer uh, graduate. I started off uh, actually as a developer at uh, BlackBerry many moons ago. And uh, over the course of a number of years, I felt that uh, I I wasn't a software developer. I really enjoyed communicating stories, evangelizing products and services, and connecting with people. And uh, that slowly led me over to the dark side of marketing over a number of years. And uh, about five years ago, I joined the team here at Vidyard. Uh, to head up the marketing organization. And uh, one of the things I really enjoy right now is this mix of art and science that we're in in, in, in marketing. And so uh, it's something that I, I try to uh, really breed into everything that I do is an appreciation, of course, for the technology and the data. But uh, uh, even more so these days, I'm becoming appreciative of the art and of the creative aspects that we all need to bring into uh, to marketing. So that's uh, that's my story. 
That's great. You know, I always say uh, engineers make the best marketers because they look at it very systematically. Like, how can I build a, a scalable system that's going to execute the way I want it to? I think uh, we could actually use a lot more engineers and a lot more scientists in, in the process because it really has become very scientific, at, le at least from our perspective. So at a macro level, what do you and Vineyard see in terms of what is going on at the macroeconomic level? What's affecting the buyer journey? What's impacting sales and marketing and revenue in general? In, uh, in general? Um, give us a little bit of a talk on your perspective in that area. Yeah, my, my big uh, feeling on that is over the last, call it, you know, three, five, 10, whatever it is, number of years, um, the, the biggest change has been in the buyers and the audiences themselves and how people engage with brands, how they expect to uh, interact, how they expect to buy. And, you know, we've gone from the old world of, you know, direct sales and, and you know, sales reps knocking on doors and making phone calls to today where, you know, we all hear this, this number of 80% of the buyer's journey happens self-guided online in, in a digital experience. And most people are now, you know, they're only requesting that sales call once they've narrowed it down to two or three vendors and they've got a pretty good idea of what they want. And so what that means is as a marketer, you know, I'm responsible for a much bigger part of that buyer journey. And I need to think more like a sales rep, right? Like what happens in that first 80% of the buyer's journey? Well, it's not just pure education and it's not just speeds and feeds, but that old relationship thing, right? Like sale, the best sales reps were the ones that, that were best at establishing a personal relationship. And so I think that's where as a marketer, um, we need to think a lot more about how are we communicating and engaging with our audiences, not just to, to, to educate them on uh, the features and capabilities, but how do we build a more personal relationship with them without actually talking face to face. And I think the kind of content, the kind of communications, the kind of nurture programs uh, that we put together are a big, big part of that. So I think that's, that's one of the big things on my mind today. Really good, really good uh, advice, good perspective. So like I said, in this episode, we want to talk about helping our uh, listeners stand out, right? The evaluation stage really comes down to what are you going to do that will get your prospects attention so that they feel more comfortable with you over the two or three other options they're considering. I've always said in terms of what we talk to our clients about, like your job in marketing and in sales actually is to make the prospect feel safe, right? Whoever they are most safe with is generally who's going to get the deal, right? Um, yes, their pain has to be acute, but that's kind of across the board for everybody. But if you do a better job making them feel safe, and when we say safe, we typically break that down into they have to know you, they have to like you, and they have to trust you. If those three elements are there, they're probably going to be very comfortable hiring you. And if you do that better than your competitors, you will probably get the deal. So talk to us a little bit about what ideas uh, as it relates to video might be useful in this evaluation stage to get a prospect to feel the most safe with, with your company. Well, I, I love that idea. And I always talk about trust as a big part of that. And, and, and I think you nailed it with those three elements of, of being safe. And, you know, I think today that, uh, again, building trust, whether it's from a marketing or a sales organization, um, you know, it requires some, some really important things. It requires transparency. Um, you know, it, you have to put yourself out there. You have to, you know, show who you are, who your company is, why you exist, what you believe in, and, um, and give a face to your brand. Um, and I think that's a big part of it. I think, secondly, is 
is is demonstrating, um, you know, clearly uh, thought leadership that you offer. And I think, again, part of that trust is that knowing not only is the business or the individuals I'm going to be working with, um, not only are they great individuals that I, I, you know, I look forward to working with on a day-to-day basis, um, but that they are thought leaders that are going to help me be successful. And I think that, um, you know, video, uh, of course, can play such an important role in, in each of those different elements, right? It's, it's showing in an authentic way, whether it's, you know, transparently showing your products or services, showing other customers who have seen success with you, um, showing yourself on camera talking through these things, or your own employees talking about, you know, their roles or, or their thought leadership. Um, I think those are our, our underappreciated elements of the evaluation phase. And I think it's not just the live, you know, product demo. I think it's all these elements around it of how you immerse your customer with these kinds of experiences. Um, you know, I'll give you a couple of really really tangible examples. You've got things like, of course, I want to be able to share really specific micro demos that show things. Um, but as a, as a sales rep, you know, sending video messages after calls or prior to calls or things they could share with their executives. Again, things like that set the tone for how you build that relationship, whether it's a marketer or a sales rep. Yeah, it's kind of a, a uh, balancing act, isn't it? Like, I, 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 I have to go into the weeds a little bit here because I have a, um, give you like a little bit of a rant warning coming up, but I'm really kind of had it with the videos on LinkedIn, like the guy in his car, the guy with the baseball hat, the guy in front of his pool, the guy, you know, like, I, you know, it's kind of like video gone wild to some extent on LinkedIn. And, and honestly, I don't think any of that is particularly helpful. So Really, my question is, how do we walk the line between, you know, using video for video's sake and doing something because I have a phone and I feel like doing a video or yeah. doing something that really adds a lot of value in the, in the buyer journey? How do we balance that? Yeah, I think, you know, anytime you're embarking on content like that, um, you know, it, it, it's only going to win if it's authentic, it's genuine, and it's valuable, right? I think those are, are the three elements that make for successful content. And I think, to your point, a lot of those, uh, I see the same thing. It's if somebody's on their commute home in their car, and they've got their iPhone on their dashboard, and they think that's a great time to record a 15-minute, you know, video talking about whatever it is that's on their mind right now. Um, and I think, you know, I'm not sure how authentic that really is. Um, I'm not sure how genuine it really is. Um, and, and it's, often not valuable because they, they haven't thought about what is my story and how can I condense it down into something that delivers value to my audience. And so you, you got to be careful that it's not just a vanity play and you're not trying to just capitalize on, on trends with novelty. Um, you have to make sure you're delivering on those three promises of, of authenticity, genuineness, and value in the content you're putting out there. That's a really good model to keep in mind. If we can't hit all three of those checkboxes, maybe this isn't the right video or this isn't the right time for a video. I, I really like that. Like to your point, I'm not sure how effective a, a video would be post sales meeting. If it's like, Hey, thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it. It'll talk to you on Tuesday. Like that's not really what you're talking about. Like you would have to deliver some insight or give them some, something to think about that was that you, 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 uh, curated from the meeting that gets them kind of moving along with you uh, from a thought process perspective. So I like that guideline. I, I like it quite a bit. Thank you for that. Perfect. So I'm also interested in some practical applications and maybe you don't have to use specific company names, but can you give us some practical examples maybe of how some people are really killing it with video and how they're using it, maybe a little bit in the marketing and maybe in the sales process too? Because I'm actually intrigued with the concept of these little snippet videos woven into an amazing sales process. So maybe you could share some examples of those also. 
Yeah, I think, um, you know, you're, you're right in, in, in how you're approaching the mindset of it. Um, to me, the companies that we're seeing be most successful, uh, you know, using video to, you know, improve response rates, to accelerate deal cycles, to close more revenue, um, are those that are being very thoughtful in, you know, how am I creating content to address the key objections I may be facing from clients um, to, again, showcase our company and our culture and our thought leadership, um, and as well to, you know, make it easy for us to showcase the value of our products very quickly. And so, you know, I'll give you an example. One of our, one of our biggest clients, um, you know, they, they took a very strategic approach to this and they said, um, you know, we don't want to do, you know, we know that there's never a one size fits all demo of our product because we've got lots of different features and functions and industries we sell to. And so, you know, every time a customer wants to see a demo, we always got to put a, a, a solutions consultant on the call and they, they customize out the wazoo and it's a lot of time and energy and it's not replicable. Yeah the other pieces. And so they've built down a library of what they call micro demos. And they are, you know, all these individual product feature demos, um, but built down in a full library where when a customer is interested in a, a certain aspect, um, the individual can simply select multiple um, individual micro demos and say, yeah, and, they'll, and then they'll record a quick intro uh, using a webcam tool. And they'll say, you know, hey, Mike, uh, you know, understand you guys are interested in A, B, and C, and you're suffering from this pain point. Here's a really quick five minute demo to show you exactly how we can solve those problems. And then each one is a one, there's five one minute videos that play after that that are also on a specific topic. Um, and so I think that mentality, it's like this idea of micro content that can be easily pulled together, um, saves a lot of time, but also again, helps the customer feel like they're getting a lot more value. They're not sitting through a, a half hour demo where only half the content is relevant. Yeah, I really, I really like that. First of all, I've like I was in software before Square Two, and I know that the demo is quite often where a deal can go to die. I mean, if you're literally sitting through an hour demo and people are clicking and, oh no, I didn't mean to click that. This is really what you. I mean, it can be painful for a client to look at that. And really, all you need is one misstep to get them confused, and then they're thinking, well, this is hard to use, and I don't know if this is for me. Like, there's so many things that can go wrong. So I love the contextual nature of identifying a small feature that fits exactly with what a prospect said their issue was, and then sending them that one little easy to digest nugget where they're like, wow, look how easy this is to create a report. Like, yeah, this is, this is for us. I think that's really smart, really smart use of video. Yeah, the one other, um, the one other that I'll mention, uh, and and this one I, I is near and dear to my heart because it's something that that we do ourselves, um, is uh, sort of similar in a similar vein, but it's more on the topical and, and thought leadership side. So we've uh, we decided to do a series of videos called Chalk Talks. And the idea there was to have sort of a consistent style and brand where, um, and, and I often do them myself, but there's other people in our company who do them. And they are each, you know, five to eight minute long videos uh, where we talk about a very specific topic um, in, you know, just the right amount of depth to educate somebody and, and, and make them knowledgeable in it, uh, but not to get right down into like product feature and specifics. Um, and so, but we've aligned it under what are these common objections or questions that our sales reps face? So for example, I have a chalk talk on developing a video strategy, right? So for, they often say, well, we've got a customer, they're really interested, but they, they love what we do, but they just can't get over, like they don't have a video strategy. And so they're not sure they're going to be able to actually get value from us. So we've got an eight minute chalk talk on developing a video strategy that walks you through nice and visually sort of how you get started with that. Um, or video uh, SEO. So if a cu customer is asking, you know, how do you help my SEO initiatives, our reps will send them that five minute video where I walk through on a chalkboard, here's exactly how video and Vidyard can help you improve your video SEO. 
And so those are not product centric, they're more topical. And um, again, now our reps have these product demos that they can use for product centric conversations, these thought leadership videos, which are each five to eight minutes in length. And they use those uh, in a mixed mode during those evaluation phases to make sure that they're knocking down every obstacle that can come up and, and, and winning, uh, winning buyers uh, to become champions. That's awesome. Are you using uh, like a whiteboard to go along with that? Or how does that content get delivered? Yeah, so it's a, it's a chalkboard. So um, we've seen others do whiteboards and um, we decided just uh, for a number of reasons, we wanted to go the chalkboard route. And what we do is, you know, I, I, I or somebody comes up with the topic we want to go deep dive on. Uh, we sort of mock up the story, the storyline, and then uh, somebody from the team draws it up on a chalkboard. And, you know, it's, it cost us a few hundred dollars to get a nice big, uh, like four by six uh, size chalkboard. Uh, but now we use it over and over again. And uh, it's a really simple, repeatable way and it's got a distinct uh, brand to it. And uh, again, customers love it. They, they see us as thought leaders uh, as a result. It's printed up already and you're kind of like, you're not writing down as you talk. It's kind of listed there and you're using it as like a guide to what you're going to talk about. Yeah, that, that, that's exactly right. And again, yeah. there's different ways to do it depending on how you want to approach it. But, you know, it's something that, you know, most people, they don't, they don't think about that as, as another way to create content. And, uh, but once you get into it, um, it's actually a, a little bit addictive because you're so proud of the, the, the output from it, right? It's so much richer than an ebook or a blog post or an, a, a static knowledge article. Um, and again, I think that that's part of the power of it. And, and, it, and it builds a relationship as it's going because it's your own people on camera. No question about it. Absolutely. So one of the things we like to talk about on this podcast uh, related to smashing your funnel is it's about the tactics like we've been talking about, but it's also about the metrics and it's also about the technology. So let's shift gears a little bit and talk a little bit about the metrics. So how do you suggest we kind of quantitatively measure whether the video uh, stuff we're using in the evaluation stage is actually producing the kind of results we needed to? Well, what should we be looking at? Yeah, so that's um, that's actually been a big problem in the market for for a long, long time, and uh, and the reason is for most companies, video content becomes disconnected from the rest of their business tools. And so, if you think about how the typical company today, um, the videos that they're publishing, the default is to upload it to YouTube and then embed the YouTube version. Um, you know, there are other products out there for you know sort of more business grade hosting and, and distribution, um, but video, yeah, it's very different from other content mediums. You can't just you know send it as an attachment. Or, or upload it into your marketing automation platform. So this is where people like us come in. And, um, you know, with, with any of the tools out there, you can track, okay, how many views has this video gotten? Um, but I always like to say, you know, view counts don't count, right? Customers do. And so I could get 10,000 views on a video, but if it doesn't influence a single deal, it wasn't a success. And so the, the missing link there is being able to track and understand who's watching which of these videos getting that back into your marketing and sales systems of record, and then being able to use that data to track and prove, did this video actually help me achieve my end business results, which was likely, you know, either lead gen pipeline or close revenue. And so without getting that data back into your CRM attached to a contact and an opportunity, it's just not possible. Um, and so that's where actually we focused a lot of our early technology was on generating those kinds of analytics, getting them back into tools like Salesforce and Marketo and HubSpot and others um, so that marketers can start to track which videos are influencing lead gen, influencing pipeline, and actually influencing closed revenue. And, and that to me is the, the home run at the end of the day. So you're kind of suggesting we maybe go backwards and say, okay, these guys just closed yesterday. Let's go look at what their 
prospect experience was and were there videos that moved them along and which videos were they and where did they see them at what stage in the sales process and then kind of doing some analysis based on that. Yeah, and you can do uh, that sort of, you know, direct and say, hey, we just closed a really big deal. Let's figure out what influenced that and do more. Um, on the flip side, you can do it at more of a macro level and say, okay, I'm going to produce a report um, inside of Salesforce or wherever it is um, that's going to tell me which videos are helping to influence the most amount of pipeline or revenue. And so you can look at it in different ways. Once you've got that data, um, you can slice and dice it in lots of different ways. Um, and and I, I tell you, for the content team, for the video production team, um, and for others, uh, it's, it's such an interesting thing to see them react when you say, hey, this video over here, by the way, it actually helped us uh, influence, you know, $100,000 in pipeline and close $50,000 in revenue as opposed of telling them it got you know 25 views uh, it's a totally different reaction when they realize how they're influencing the business especially on the sales side they really couldn't care less how many views a video gets oh, no. how many deals did it help close right exactly yeah cool so the other thing like i said we talk a little bit about technology now in your case because production is such a big component of video let's hmm. let's talk about the production side of things so I know a lot of clients in our case have been like, oh, we want to do some videos, but we know it's really expensive. We're like, oh, no, no, it's not so expensive anymore. And there's so many tools that you can use to do like a more efficient or, or cost-effective uh, way. But, but what, what should we be considering when we're thinking about adding video into our, our prospect buyer journey from a production perspective? Yeah, so I start right where you start, which is, you know, don't think that each video has to be a $10,000 outsourced production. Um, you know, that's where a lot of companies still get hung up. And so, you know, I, 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 I absolutely, you know, really want to push this notion of we are all media companies now, ladies and gentlemen, whether you're a two-person business or, uh, you know, a, gl a global Fortune 50, um, we are all media companies in one way or another. And we have to think like that. And so whether it's <clears throat> the content we're producing for our blog or the kind of content we're creating via video. And, but as a media company, don't get lost in thinking that that means, oh, I've got to be, you know, Netflix, this is Game of Thrones. No, this is about, you know, creating, again, valuable, authentic, genuine content um, that helps your buyers make the right decision. So more and more we're seeing, you know, again, in-house created video. Some companies have a video producer on staff, some don't, and they're, maybe it's their social media manager, their content marketer, you know, maybe it's their lead developer, right? There's people in the organization who are adept at the very very simple things of, you know, I need a basic DSLR camera or I just need my iPhone, right? You can shoot 1080p video on your iPhone and little things like a little um, stand or a stabilizer or some basic lighting are going to help you. Um, but honestly, you know, you, you don't have to, to spend really any money to start creating that content. Um, and so I, I, that's where I really encourage people to think about is start with the content you need, the questions you need to answer and what's going to be valuable. And then think about, okay, how am I going to create those? Is it something as simple as a screen capture tool, which might cost me next to nothing? Um, we have a free product called GoVideo that does that. Um, is it something I want to record with a webcam? Is it something I could do with my iPhone? Is it something I should do in a small studio like I'm sitting in with a DSLR on a tripod and some lighting? Um, so, you know, there, there's lots of ways to get going and get started. And, um, and again, I think it's, you know, the tools of the trade today might be the smartphone. Um, it may be a basic DSLR camera you can get for three to $500. Um, what you always want to think about is also make sure you've got good audio. Um, good audio is often more important than good video. Uh, and, uh, and, and lighting, you know, it can matter. Um, but, uh, but I think, again, don't feel like everything has to be a Hollywood production. Authenticity and value trump production quality uh, pretty much every time. 
Awesome. That's that's really great advice. There, there, there must be some place for the high-end production video, isn't there? I mean, is this, this it's not like all of these homegrown videos are replacing all high-end production videos. So where, where would we still want to do a, a high-end production piece? Yep. So absolutely. And, and let me, um, I'll try to visualize it for you. So the way I think about it is you've got your traditional funnel, um, with you know top of funnel mid and bottom and, and of course it gets smaller towards the bottom and, um, and and what I do is I then have a triangle just the invert of the funnel um, right beside it for my video content so at the top of my video uh, pyramid we'll call it um, is is top of funnel content but you're only creating a, a relatively small number of those and it's really higher production value so those ones you're spending your money on now those are the things that are going to stand the test of time right it's going to be your homepage video that you want to have up there for two years and you got to nail it you got to nail the script it's something that is front and center for your brand right it might be a major brand campaign you're doing it's those ones that you feel are, are tied to a much bigger initiative and you really want to nail the experience and, and part of the value of a production company isn't just the quality but also you know their help in scripting and casting and acting and so on so there are those videos at the top of the funnel um, but you're usually going to do maybe I don't know, one, two, three, maybe five of those in a year um, at most for most companies. And again, they may cost you anywhere from $5,000 to $20,000, depending on what you're doing. But then as you move down the funnel, um, the pyramid for video gets bigger. Mid funnel, you're producing more content, um, but that's probably you're starting to do it in-house, maybe with a DSLR and you're putting a bit more effort into those. Then at the bottom of the funnel are all these like simple one-to-one -one videos, screen capture product demos, videos from your sales reps, authentic stuff. That's more about those really ad hoc things. But those you're only, you know, you're not using as frequently as the top of funnel stuff. So that's my thinking on it. And I think absolutely it's, it's a mix of those. Um, but don't get lost in thinking I'm only going to do five videos this year because that's all I can afford. Um, a lot of mid and bottom of funnel content can be done on your laptop, on your iPhone, um, as on-demand webinars, as Zoom recordings, right? There's lots of ways to do it and utilize that content. That's excellent. Thank you, Tyler, so much. It was really insightful and really thoughtful. Help. Thank you so much for joining us. This video topic is one that we're going to be talking about a lot for a long period of time, from my opinion. Um, we've been kind of a big proponent of video for a long time because honestly, when you ask people how they want to get their content, how they want to digest it, 60% of people view themselves as visual learners. And, and that's why they don't want to read an ebook or a white paper and they really would just prefer to watch a video. So it's going to be with us for a long, long time. So thanks for all that uh, really important information. So in this episode, we talked about the critical evaluation stage and how we can use video to help us stand out. In the next episode coming up, we're going to talk about the rationalization stage. So you've got the business, but you don't have your paperwork signed. And what do we need to do to get your client to kind of move those details through and get that done in as efficient and as effective way as possible? We're going to have a very special surprise guest, someone so big you'll be shocked. So stay tuned. You won't want to miss the next episode. It's going to be brilliant. Tyler, thanks again so much for your help. Thank you so much, Mike. Absolute pleasure to be here. No problem. And thank you all for listening. This is Mike Lieberman saying, let's smash your funnel today. <laughs>